knowing God. And I want to use Jeremiah 18 as our reference point. And I want to pull out some scripture truths uh, together, if, if we can, and, and kind of look at God's word anew. If you've been in church in any, uh, for any season of time, you've heard God's word, how many of you would be like me and say, hey, I grew up in church. I've pretty much been going to church my whole life. In fact, I remember as a young kid, I came to this church. Uh, I had an aunt and uncle who attended here, Alan and Patsy McConnell, and I came as a little kid here and uh, heard Pastor Dunoff some great preaching. You guys have a great heritage here. And I do believe that to whom much is given, much is required. And I believe that God's not finished working through this church. And so I'm excited uh, to be here and excited to be able to share uh, God's word together. What I love about this passage is it's very personal to me. And, and I think it's, it's, it's something when God speaks loud, like a megaphone through, through his word, it becomes easier to share. But I'll never forget the first time that God used this passage in my life. And I want to share that with you before we get started because uh, it's, it's key to why I dug in deeper. There's a season in my life, I, I honestly uh, go through seasons, you won't believe this, but I get a little full of myself, I think that I can accomplish a lot. Um, I know you probably look at me as a very humble and, and a guy who walks in humility, but in that season of my life, I was like, dude, I, I've got this, I want to do something amazing, I'm going to read through the entire Bible in 90 days. <laughs> That's my response now. <laughs> at the time, I'm like, God, this is so easy, and uh, got it. That's a lot of reading. I don't necessarily enjoy reading so much. I mean, there's a couple books I like that are like this big. Um, so I got into it, and I'm, I'm reading. You know, and, and a lot of the, the first part of, of the Bible is, is enjoyable, and you're reading the history, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. And you, you read through it, and it can be kind of a quick read. And there are certain parts that get down to cubits and stuff that gets a little slower, and you're like, I don't even know how to pronounce this word. And, and you go through it, right? Well, I got into uh, the Psalms, actually. Which, how many of you are musicians, singers in the house? Thank God for you. That is not necessarily my gift. And there's something special about y'all, let me put it this way, something special about y'all, you see things through a different light and you see it oftentimes more intently. And I didn't realize that until I was going through the Psalms one after the other, one after the other, and was just getting into it. But I'm the type of guy who I, I enjoy, you know, systems, things. I like going through it. That's why I was in the system of reading. But man, when I got to Psalms, candidly, God put the brakes on for me because here's why. Now, I've got a wonderful family. I've got three wonderful boys, my, my beautiful wife, Amanda, and, and, and we get to live life in a house of all boys. Now, candidly, from the beginning, I wanted a little girl. I did. I, I, and those of you that are daughter dads, we need to talk later on, on how in the world you say no. Because to my nieces, it is impossible. Now, I've been told if they're your own, it's a little bit easier. But I say all that, no disrespect to you daughter dads, but as a, a manly house, we have very little drama. Okay? We, we have our share, but I, I mean, not to that level of what I've heard about from my daughter dad friends. So when I get to Psalms and you music people, you kind of enjoy those drama moments. That's why I love reading certain Psalms that put me on the mountaintop. And it's awesome. And the beauty to describe that mountaintop. But then y'all also can go into these deep, dark places of God and where are you? And you just describe it with intensity. 
And, you know, that's cool too. But when you're reading them back to back, and you're like, God is great. Man, where are you? God is, I'm like, whoa, hold on. That's a little too much. I just had to put the brakes on on the songs because I can't handle all this drama from David in this moment of being like, God's great. Then where are you in the next moment? I was, I was a little overwhelmed. Are you with me? But here's the cool thing. When I committed to go in a direction with God, God met me on that direction, said, hey, Steve, I got something for you, so I'm going to slow you down. And God allowed me to be overwhelmed with that because he wanted me at a certain time and place to be in Jeremiah chapter 18. And so I want you to hear it. I'm, I'm not trying to say, hey, I want to I be like this. I wanna, no, I want you to just hear how awesome God is. I want you to know God in this moment, okay? Are you with me? Nod your head if you're with me. Man, you all might be more asleep than the 930 crowd. Okay, some of you are like, don't you dare compare me. Okay. So here I was, I got back into my routine with God, and that's really what it was. It wasn't this live off of the page. I was kind of going through the motions. How many of you have been there, checking the box, going through the motions with God? But God knew where I was, and he was guiding me because I had spent some time with a friend And he had asked me a question about God's word, and I just answered him very honestly. He said, wow, you gave me that from God's word, and it spoke right to my heart very clearly. Now, I hadn't told this friend that, hey, I had studied God's word for five years in college. You guys probably did it in four. You were way smarter than me. I was overachieving for an extra credit. I had to repeat my first year. I'm standing on the altar. I cannot lie in this moment right now, okay? But God, as, as we went through this, and, and I was able to share this with this guy from God's word, he said, man, you spoke right to my heart. He said, hey, I want you to go to a barbecue with me tomorrow. I was like, cool, I love barbecue, I'm Baptist. And so we go, and, and we're having this barbecue, and I'm meeting all these different people. And, and so as we had the barbecue, they kind of set their chairs up on this. It was a cement front porch, and, and they just lined the chairs up. I'm like, this is cool, kind of finished, and I'm thinking we're going to start talking, and they start singing worship songs. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. I kind of join in a little bit. And then my buddy bumps me and he goes, hey, Steve, share something. I had never told him that I could speak, that I had studied God. I didn't tell him anything. I just spoke to his heart from this, and he invited me to barbecue, so I went. But in this moment, he's like, hey, share something. In that moment, you want to know what the first thought that came through my, my mind as this humble spiritual person that I am? You jerk. Like, I'm like, you, you, this is a Bible study. Like, tell me, I would prepare something. And then the next thought was, oh my word, what do I say? And then God, through his Holy Spirit, reminded me that we had met that morning in Jeremiah 18. And in that moment, he drew his word from the knowledge that I had to my heart. And I just shared out of what God had met me that morning through his word. And would, it, would you it's, it's, it's amazes me that in that moment, God had brought someone also to a barbecue that didn't know we were going to share. And this girl from, from across this little circle, she says, hey, I want Jesus. How do I get it? Amen. That's God and his word. It has nothing to do with this white kid from Cincinnati, Ohio. Now listen. All right. I am a Buckeye. I was born in Our Lady of Mercy, Cincinnati, Ohio, but I was raised in a Michigan home. Right? I was born for turmoil. I am a Cincinnati Bearcat. I will never forget the first time my dad took me to a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. I, I got me one of the, what are those little things called about the team? Help me. What? Program. Got a program. And I sat down. We were high up. My dad was a school teacher. We didn't have much money. So we're looking down. The guys are like this big. 
This is the 90s. And they got, I want to know my team. These are my people. I want to know my team. I could not vote for Ohio State. I'm sorry. I wasn't going to vote for Michigan. My dad bleeds blue and gold, but that's just, I'm a Buckeye. You all are my people. I know there's some Michigan people here. I'm, I'm not against you. I'm not against you. And Ohio people, I'm not against you. I just can't be for either one of you. That's why I'm a Bearcat. But get me, when I started looking at my people, there are a ton of smart people that go to Cincinnati. Thank God for the smart people that have studied at Cincinnati. But the guys on my team, I'm like, what do they study? I want to know them. Criminal justice major. Criminal justice major. They were all criminal justice majors. And come to find out they had spent some time in the system, if you know what I mean. And it was not for their degree, it was to keep them out of trouble. That was my team, okay? That was under Huggins. We could, we could do a lot of damage on and off the court, okay? I love the Bearcats. I was wearing my Bearcat hat into Home Depot, one of the last times I ever shopped there. But I walked in, and the lady was like, oh, that is a nice hat. Is that Chick-fil-A? I'm going to Lowe's now. Anyway, you don't know my team. But there's something about having a personal knowledge of your people. There's something about knowing who you're with. And I knew in that moment as I got into Jeremiah 18, I knew that God had my back and that his word was literally enough. I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know what I had gotten into, but I learned to know him in a very personal way. And so it's out of that and knowing him where he's used this already in my life that I want to walk through it with you this morning, if you'll let me. Could we do that? So Jeremiah 18, we're going to start in the first few verses. I'm going to read the first few and then we'll pause and and look through it together. It says in verse number one, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, and, here, and here's where it, it becomes a little clearer. I'll pause here for a moment and, and if you'll join your heart with mine, I just wanna plead with God to be in this moment. Holy Father, We have opened your word. We have come together in your name. And God, I ask that you would dwell with us this morning. Reveal yourself. Help us to know you more. But God, we pray that you get all the glory in Jesus' name and all God's people said. What I love about certain parts of the scripture, I'm slightly envious as part of it as we look through it. And I've told you this morning, it's about knowing God. And And if we must know him, then how do we know him? And I submit to you, first of all, that how we know him is through his word, simply God's word. If you take notes this morning, my first point is God's word. I love here that when the word which came to Jeremiah, verse number one, as it it comes to him saying, verse number two, it says, arise and go down. God is speaking to him and telling him, hey, I want you to go to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. And as we look into this, I can't help but look into this and go, hey, God's word, it brings me direction. Now, candidly, there are times and seasons, we're we're in an interesting season as a family, kind of have been for a few years, but I kind of long for God to just simply speak out loud and just tell me. I'm envious of this for Jeremiah because he literally said, hey, arise and go down. 
He told him exactly what to do. Man, I'd love for it to be that clear. The truth is, he's given it to us, and if we spend time in it, in his word, he'll use it to move us where he wants us for the moment and give us the direction of where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. Notice here, it says, so he went down, and the vessel made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the, what's that next word, seemed good to the the potter to make it. We're going to come back to this because it encourages me to know who's molding who and for whose purpose. It says, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse number five. And now in verse six, he says, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? And I submit to you that oftentimes as God speaks, it brings direction, but not only direction, it brings clarity. Because if we notice what God told him, the end of verse number two, it says, I will cause you to hear. There are certain times where God brings us to a place to cause us to hear it again with clarity. Do you realize that in this passage, God did not tell Jeremiah how to get to the potter's house? He already knew how to get there. He already knew how to get to the potter's house, so he didn't need to give him that direction. So what it tells me is God took him to a familiar place to make something clearer. He also wanted it to be so clear that he wanted to do it with a lesson to let him know that, hey, I got you. I will work in this. And as you saw the potter with his hands working on that clay, hey, I will do the same with you. And it brought clarity. There was a season in my life where I needed desperately to just know. And the truth is, I grew up in churches, maybe I told you, and, and, you know, love church. And I got saved at a young age. I got saved on May 10th, 1983. I was afraid of burning in hell. We had some preachers back in the day. Boy, could they bring it down. I was afraid of hell. I also, after I saw them, they say, okay, I got saved. They said, now you need to be baptized. I went and watched the baptism. And boy, I was afraid of water too because there were a couple preachers. They put you down a little long. People come up choking. I'm like, man, I I don't know about that neither. But thank God he, he used that in my life at a young age. So I got saved at a young age. I got baptized at a young age. But then I grew up still under that preaching. And when sin would come into my life, I began to doubt. Because God was working something in my life. And so I doubted. I could remember being unsure of my salvation. And so there was a season where I just, I didn't want to struggle with it anymore. Because the truth is, you could come and you could pray again. And you could say the words again. And, but it just, Satan kept coming back. And kept challenging me. And it was in a season of just crying out to God. And God led me to Mark 10, 15. It says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. 
And it was as if in that moment when I returned to that passage, God took me to a place, said, these are my words, and it spoke louder into my life at that moment, that can I tell you when his Holy Spirit grabbed that and engrafted that word into my heart, I have never doubted since then. And that's just a reality. And so I could tell you, hey, read this passage, but if it doesn't speak to you in that, it's not going to seal that for you. So I just want, what I want you to do is get in with God and he'll give you direction and he'll give you clarity and no matter what you face. But God knew, hey, Steve, if you can listen to me in this and get this settled, I've got a place that I want you to go and I got something that you want to do. But if I couldn't get my salvation settled, which is my foundation, he couldn't build on it for me. And so God did that in my life because he had something that he wanted me to do. And so here's what we've learned, and we do this as a family. We have this simple little phrase, and, and you said a phrase very similar to it last week. But I'm not as smart as you, so I have to keep it simple. So we have this phrase, when we face things that are struggle, we say we put truth on it, capital T. We put truth on it. Because what do we know about God? And, and we start simple, and we start to put on that because we faced a lot of things that I can't explain. We face some things that I don't understand, and, and so when, we, when things come into our life, we have to start with the truth. I don't want to deal in the unknown. I'm not afraid of the unknown, but if I'm going to go into the unknown, I want to go in truth. Are you with me? And so we put truth on it, and so I thank God that that day he started for me as a young boy, and, and he put that truth into my life. And so I don't know any of you this morning, I know there's some young people out there, and, and I don't know where you're at or what you're going through or a struggle, but I want to encourage you, put truth on it. Don't be afraid to search out the truth because it will be made known and it will make you free. I'll give you this next point. My next point is, is short and sweet. And I told the 930 crowd that if they wanted to fall asleep, that was the point to fall asleep. But you guys, well, maybe you already fell asleep. So this will be short. I'll wake you up on the next point. When God's word, if we want to know him, really one of the lenses that affects how we know him is our response. And so my second point is God's word requires a response. And it's really simple in this passage as we look at it. We can see that there's the response of the obedient Jeremiah. He went down, he arose and he went down, and he went down immediately. We can also see as we continue through this passage, it picks up in verse number 12. It says, and they said, there is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices and we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. And we have the actions not just of the obedient in this passage, but the actions of the disobedient. I could give you stories of the disobedient, but I want to give you a story of the obedient. I have a friend of mine recently went to uh, an area on the Syrian border. And he went and he was, he was in that area and he just felt led of God to go over to this, this little area. It's a little town. We might call it a village to help you understand its, its development. Very undeveloped, but he just felt he needed to go there. Now the security intel at that moment said, don't go to that place. It's not safe. Don't. And he just felt led of God to go there. And so he went into this unsafe, unknown area because he just felt pressed from God to go there. And so as he went, he knew that in entering that area, he needed to find out who was in charge. And so oftentimes you'll find in these areas, especially around Syria, that you'll have these tribal leaders, and they're known as a shek. Here we, we call them sheiks, but it's shek in Arabic. So you want to do it pronounced, that's free, it's a free lesson here, shek, and you kind of, okay, so just cough at the end of it. And so he goes in, he finds this man, and he begins to share, and he just felt led to just start the story of the living water. And he began to share the story from Scripture of the living water. And what was interesting is that this Shek said, hey, 
I am moved by your word, so just wait a minute. Let me call in some of the older men. So he called in the older men to be in the room. And so as he began to share this, and through this story, and just felt the peace of God coming to get a permission to go someplace where a lot of, again, the security intel was don't go there, don't be a part of this. He went in obedience to God, and this happened. But here's the cool thing. Not only did he have the blessing of the sheikh in that moment, but what we didn't know was happening was that outside this tent, there was the sheikh's youngest son. And he was sitting outside the tent listening to the story. And he heard the story, and you know what he did? He was moved by that, that he ran to another tent and told all the kids what was being told inside. And when he told him those words, he'd run back for the rest of the story and he'd sit and he'd listen and he'd take the words from the man of God that was the message of God and return it to share it with others. And it was so cool because it was a part where, hey, don't go there. It's an unknown, it's not safe, but when God speaks, if you'll respond in obedience, he will do more so, not just in your life, but in the, the lives of those around you. And, and heaven will tell the story of his word spread and his truth made known. But I encourage you, would you follow the God who knows in an obedient way? Here's my last point. My last point is this. Our response has results. Now hang with me. Because the reality of this sets in. Now, this is the way the passage unfolds. We, I've told you the obedient and the disobedient, but the passage here, it begins with the results for the disobedient. Verse number 11, God's telling Jeremiah, he says, now therefore go to, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, thus saith the Lord, behold, I frame evil against you and devise a device against you. Return now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. I want to list for you some of the the results of the disobedient. Now this is specifically in relation to disobedience to God. But here it says that he turns away his good. It says that he will frame evil against you. And what's interesting is this word frame here in the center of verse 11, framing evil, is the same Hebrew word that is used of a potter. The same illustration. So not only this, when he says, hey, I will make it against you, it is a God-made evil against you. (laughs) I would love to have this power. Can you imagine The reality is, I joke there, but that is no joking matter when God is framing something against you. It is personal, it is intentional, and you ain't getting out of it. I spent a little too much time in the South, a little ain'ts, okay? I eat their barbecue too, and man, oh, that's another story. As we continue through here, there's so many other pieces. I'll give them to you quickly because I want to get to the other side. It says, he repents his good and plans against you. Verse 16 says, your land will be desolate. It says that those around will look in shock at what has happened. You will be dispersed, ununified. And candidly, as as a Christ follower in America, I kind of see some similarities happening in our own nation. There are other countries look around and go, what in the world do you do? What's going on? We are ununified. Moved with the wind, it says. 
And then get this, God turns his back on you. Verse number 17, look at this. He says, I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them the back and not the face. So he says, I will turn my back from you. And get this, in the day of their calamity, on your worst day, God will not hear. It's one thing to have a punishment, but the absence of God is everything. So, okay, in a way, if I've drawn enough drama, I've tried to, to, to reach into my inner daughter dad and bring some drama out there. It's about all I got. As, as, we, did, we did adopt, we did adopt a few years ago. The short story, I brought a beautiful little girl. She's, she's German. She is uh, six and a half right now. She's not with us. She weighs about 113 pounds, and she is my German Rottweiler, and I love her so much. And I cannot say no to her beautiful brown eyes. But if I've convinced you of anything, yeah, disobedience, bad. Okay, simple. Disobedience, bad. But hang in there, because normally we think, okay, well, I want to be a Christ follower, I want to be obedient. So let's see those results. So let's look here. The obedience. Let's start in verse number 18. Jeremiah delivered in obedience what needed to be said, and here's the response. Then said they, come, and let us devise devices against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priest, nor the counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, and let us smite him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. So really, as the obedient one here, you're going to have social opposition, verbal abuse. They're going to avoid you like no other, and you're going to be misunderstood. Are you convinced now to follow Christ? Like, that doesn't sound too good either. Okay, well, hold on. There's more here, right? Verse 22, we're getting down to the end here. Verse number 22, he's, he's, he's crying out a prayer. He says, let a cry be heard from their houses when thou shalt bring a troop suddenly upon him. For they have digged a pit to take me and hid snares for my feet. There is a physical pain in the life of those that follow in obedience to Christ. You're like, wait a second, Brother Steve. Like, you're, you're not telling me what I want to hear. I'm just speaking the passage from God's word. The reality is, as a Christ follower, while we want to talk about, hey, the mountaintops, and we talk about how good God is, that does not mean that everything is going to work out in our favor the way we want it. It means that there will be a social isolation. There will be a, a society that looks at us a little bit differently and misunderstood, and there will be a physical pain that comes with us. And I am convinced in this season that really to know God means to suffer with him. You realize that when God sent himself, his son, to become the word for us, he took on flesh. And this culture, this community, from my book, we weren't very nice to him. If you know the story, we put him on a cross. He was beaten. But yet the reality is he laid down his life. He gave it. And so as Christ followers, if we want to identify with him, then there will be a suffering. There will be a brokenness that comes that maybe we cannot explain, but that's okay. Because you know what? There's one more verse left in this passage. And look at the first few words of this. It says, verse 23, yet Lord, thou knowest. Here's what's cool. I, I dug into this because I really want to know. I, I don't know if in, in, in your Bible, but for me, there's something unique about the word Lord there. 
Do you notice something unique about the lettering? Capital L, right? So we know it's directed a certain way, right? But here's the thing. When they would scribe out the Old Testament, when they got to a name of God and it was talking about one of the six names of God, they'd actually grab a new pen and pure ink to scribe out the letters of God. And throughout history, for whatever reason, they began to change, and maybe they were running low on ink, I don't know, maybe they got tired of changing pens, I don't know, but they began to put this word Lord in here, and it was used as Adonai, talking about and directing it to God. And so I'm like, okay, that's nice, but what's interesting, when I got into the Hebrew, I did not find Adonai. Do you want to know what I found of this word right here for clarity and direction as it came to this word Lord? while translated throughout scriptures a dozen or more times to see it as Adonai, this place here, it is not Adonai, it is Jehovah. It is the one of six names of God so that we do not misunderstand the interpretation of who knows and who knows has our back so that we know Jehovah God, creator, the one who knows exactly what we are facing can carry us through. Thank you. At least one gets it. You're a musician, aren't you? I'm a singer. A singer, see? Like, I got that. I'm tapping into my inner singer. I love it. Because that's what jumped off the page. Because in this season of what's going on, I needed to know that my God has it. Yeah. Amen. I, I, I love the, the comedian Mark Lowry. He's got one of these bits. He talks about, you know, God has come to to give us life, right? And what is life? It's a series of emotions, highs and lows, highs and lows. But that scripture passage doesn't end there. It says, God come to give us life more abundant. Our highs are highs, our lows are lows, right? And there are seasons where it just gets like that. These last few moments, seasons of our life have been the most depressing and darkest times of our life. And so I've tried to walk through this. I've tried to live this. I've tried to go through this. It's one thing to read it. It's one thing to see it. But it's another thing to know it personally. Now let me close out this passage because it's just, it's one piece. And I want to give you two more principles. Okay. Hear this passage. It's, it's, it's Jeremiah crying out. Verse 23, it says, Yet, Lord, thou knowest all their counsel against me to slay me. He says, Forgive not their iniquity, neither blot out their sin from thy sight, but let them be overthrown before thee. Jeremiah is crying out, this is the evil that's being done against me. He's praying very rawly before God and just laying it out there. God, this, this is the preacher calling it out against the community. Can you imagine praying against your church in this way? I'm like, God help us. And then he does this. He ends it with this. Look at the last statement here. He says, Deal thus with them in the time of thine anger. Okay, I got three boys. It would be like one of them coming. So we'll say Stetson. Stetson comes to me. He's like, Dad, my brothers are being mean to me. And so this is what I want you to do to them. I want you to restrict them from their electronics. I want you to give them a spanking. But then do it when you're already really upset. (laughs) You can't tell me that Jeremiah left anything behind. He poured it out all before God. The situation that this man was in as an obedient Christ follower led him to the moment of desperation and crying out to God. But he left it there. We see, and I I can now relate to Jeremiah and how he penned these so interestingly for us to understand it, to know that, hey, you know what? It's not necessarily about the results. It's about the obedience. Verse 
So let me put it in this context. Let's, let's look at, for a moment, we were comparing churches. Okay, so we look at this church here. And if we were going to compare it to another church, we'd start to compare square footage. We'd start to compare the pastor preaching. We'd compare how many numbers there are in the church, right? Those are the results. Those are the, the actions. But we need to get caught up. Is this a church that preaches the Bible? If you are obedient to preaching the Bible, that's what God asks. And so enough. We don't need to get caught up in the results. We need to get caught up in being obedient. And so we can celebrate the church that, hey, got one this morning, but that pastor's being obedient. We can celebrate church this morning being obedient. It's not about the results, but oftentimes we get caught up in comparing. But I'm gonna warn you that, that we, get, we get distracted by looking at the results. God, I really want this to happen. Are you, can we walk in obedience no matter what? God, help us to be excited about the obedience that is happening. And and the reality I've already shared with you, it's tough. So I have to ask this. I had a mentor in the faith many years ago. You get through this, and so you have to ask yourself this question, so what? We've looked at Jeremiah 18. We've looked at some simple truths this morning, but so what? What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do with the truth of God this morning? I want you to know him. I want you to know him personally. You see, well, I want more clarity. I want more direction. Well, then walk in obedience. Walk in his word. You say, well, Stephen, you know, I'm just not sure. It doesn't make sense. I'm doubting what God's doing. Let me give you this. Acts chapter 10 tells one of my my favorite stories. and, and, And there's this part where God's working in Peter's life. Now, it's the story of Cornelius. And God working in Cornelius' life, but, the, but God's working in Peter's life, and he's revealing a truth to him. And in this truth, what's being revealed, it says that, that Peter doubted in himself what it should mean. So God had spoken clearly into his life. He told him something, but Peter left doubting. The word there, as we have in English, of doubt in, in the Greek is diakarino. It means that, that he was with, with misunderstanding. It meant that, that he was hesitant to know what it meant. But get this. As he goes through this passage, and he's at a loss of what God has said, we have in verse 20, again in English, it's the word doubt because God speaks to him again. He says, hey, there's three men outside seeking you. He says, I want you to go down doubting nothing. In English, it's the same word, but in the Greek, it's a different word, which has this meaning. It means that we should go down, the two words are dia parero and dia carino, and and one means, hey, go down, get this, unseparated. So here's where Peter's at. He's in a season where God has spoken into his life, and he doesn't understand what's happening. God's telling him, hey, go, but don't separate what you know of me into the unknown. So when you get to that place, when you get to the precipice of the unknown, don't separate the truth that you already know about God. Walk into the unknown, unseparated from his truth, and continue because he will reveal himself and his truth in it. I can't explain it. All I can tell you is that the further you go in him, you know him more. Yes. And it's a personal experience. 
The truth is, if we all want to hear a story, we don't want to hear a story from someone else telling the story who wasn't there. We want to hear the story. We have this phrase right from the horse's mouth. I don't know why we say that. I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. That translates really awkward in other cultures. But we do. We want to know that it's personal. We want to know that who's sharing with us knows what happened and was there. And we can know that he is with us. I'm going to close with this. Psalm 46. I want you to join me there. To know him. Psalm 46. One of the first times I ever heard this passage, I was in Sunday school. My favorite, one of my favorite teachers, Mrs. Richardson. I just gave away one of my secret code passwords, like, who's your favorite teacher? So, there you go, world. Remind me to change that. I can remember hearing that. And so, literally, every time I get into this passage, I hear her voice. I can't, I can't help it. I just, I just hear her voice. Until one, one day, God brought me into this passage for clarity. And so, I want us to go through it together. Psalm 46, if, as we talk about the Psalms, they're, they're written mostly from David, right? Now, now, these are written as songs. And so, for clarity, I want us to, to, to read together the first verse of song, which is the first three verses of Scripture. Can it get any more clear than that? Okay, so hang with me. There'll be a special word when we say it together. We're going to do what that word tells us to do, okay? So, let's read together. Psalm 46, verse number one says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Say that next word, Selah. Okay, that word means pause and think on it, so let's do that. When we look at this first verse of the song, the first three verses of Scripture, in one word, who can tell me something that jumps off the page about God? Give me one thing, shout it out. Strength, refuge, what else? Help, Help. what else? We're in trouble, we could call out to him, right? This is good. We all see it from a different perspective because we're in a different place or different season and things are going on, but he jumps off the page if we get in it. Are you with me? Let's look at the second verse of song. The next several verses of scripture, verse number four says this. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early, that's the Southern part of the song. You know, it's a good song when you get a little Southern in there, okay? Verse number six, the heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Say that word. So let's pause and think about it. From this second verse of the song, from these next few verses of Scripture, give me something else about God that jumps off the page to you. Give it to me. Move, Move. yes. He's with us. Yes, what else? He's our refuge. Again, repetitive. I love it. What else? He speaks. He's our help. Amen. This is good, right? The cool thing is the song ain't over yet. We got another verse of song, another few verses of Scripture. So let's look at it. Verse number eight. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. 
The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Say that word. Sometimes we need to pause and think about it. If you're in the midst of something and something's going on and you're just not sure, then you know what? Take a little moment to pause and think about it. Because is this third verse, the last verse of the song? Here's what it's describing. Verse number, number nine, he makes wars to cease. Have you ever seen perhaps in a movie that is about war and you look basically at the backdrop that was described? You're gonna see smoke from the embers of the fires. You'll see buildings broken down. You're gonna see the desolations. You're gonna see what war really looks like and feels like, and it is bad. This is the picture that is painted. We've proclaimed who God is, that he is our refuge. He is our strength, but he wants to paint the picture that, hey, it doesn't look good. And in this context, verse number 10 came out to me. But as I already told you, the way I always heard it was from my second grade teacher. And she said, be still. Just be still and now. And there is nothing wrong for that. There is, that is a wonderful thing that I will always carry with me. But I found myself in a very dark moment. I don't have the time to describe for you the season that I was in. But when God took me to this moment, I'll be candid with you. That little small voice of my second grade teacher wasn't enough. And so I got into his word. And I looked at it in Hebrew. And in the context of this phrase, be still, when you're talking about it in the context of war and you use this phrase, it literally means to throw down your arms. When you are at your wit's end, when you have taken the beating that you can take, it literally means to throw down your arms and then know that he is God. I'm not saying we don't try everything that we can try. I'm not saying that we don't go as far as we can go, but I'm telling you when you are instant in that moment, I went from that moment of that still small voice to God in his holiness from his word, shouting loudly into my life, Steve, throw down your arms and know I got you. And I needed that. And I promise you, that from just this one psalm, there's a whole nother book filled with these promises that if we'll just get to know him, who's got us, we can walk through this life with all that he's equipped us with and walk into the unknown. But we don't have to separate the part that we doubt, that we don't know with the parts that we do know and we can confidently walk in him. Are you with me, church? Because I believe God's doing something right here in this place. As a fellow Buckeye, the heart of it all, our state needs God. There's a reason why this church is right here in the Capitol and I'm excited and praying for what God lies ahead, but you're gonna go through suffering. You're gonna go through a challenge, but if you can walk through it knowing who he is, then my friend, there's no greater place to be. I used to say that the safest place to be is in the center of God's will, but candidly, that's not true. But I will tell you, there is no greater place to be than in the center of God's will, knowing him. 